Welcome back to this episode of So Every Soul Sings Worship for the Real Church. And today we are talking about the 45 second song intro. Yes. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> I love your voice. That's very specific. I can't do it. Yeah. But what you're saying here is probably because it doesn't necessarily have to be that specific. But what you are implying is that time is important in a service. It is. Everybody's time is important in the service. The first church I ever served part well, second church I served part-time in college. The pastor said, if we start the service a minute and a half late and there are 100 people in the room, we've just wasted 9,000 minutes. <laughs> or whatever the math is. Yeah, everybody's time's important. So we just want to honor their time. Mm-hmm. And some churches, the services are longer and they can yep. go for longer. But uh, many places people have things immediately before or immediately after mm-hmm. a service that really do make the, that time element important. Ask the people working in the nursery. They exactly. would really like for you to come and get your kids uh-huh. before exactly. they get hungry, not 10 minutes after they get hungry. Hangry so, is yeah, a real thing. It really is a real thing. <laughs> so um, when we got married, yeah. my husband wanted our wedding to be 30 minutes long. Uh-huh. And at the time, our church, we would worship for an hour, and the sermon would sometimes be 45 minutes. So that was out of my paradigm. Right. And my pastor at the time, in the wedding, told this story that Josh had asked him to make the eulogy five minutes or less, which prompted a lot of laughter because it's not a eulogy, it's a homily, and five minutes was also not in his paradigm Uh (laughs) at all. So um, our wedding did end up being 47 minutes long. It was beautiful. I can't imagine how beautiful it was. That's fantastic. This all goes back to the, I guess, the, the saying that I was taught when I was in, I don't know if it was high school or college, but very young. Um, preachers should, shouldn't sing and song leaders shouldn't preach. I mean, <laughs> you know, do what we ask you to do. Lead the singing. Don't, you, don't, you don't have to do the preaching. And I think, <laughs> I think there's some truth in that. They really, you know, Woodburn didn't invite me here to be their preacher. They invited me here to hear, be their worship leader. Um, but I also feel like all of us, at least biblically, if not in our own tradition, um, biblically, really it's kind of if anyone has a word. And so sometimes when I'm preparing to lead worship, I do have a word. And I feel like it's God's calling on my life and, and in that moment to share that word. But I think the whole idea of shooting for 45 seconds, and I know that's a weird number, <laughs> but shooting for 45 seconds helps me not think that my role is to preach. But my, word, my role can be to bring a word Mm-hmm. about the song or about the experience or about the day or whatever it is. And so, in fact, in our church, when I do that, I have people that encourage me. They're like, thank you so much for, for setting the song up that way or sharing that story or whatever. And the same thing when our pastor leads singing on occasion. We'll, we'll be at the communion table and he'll just start singing, there is a fountain filled with blood. And you can just feel the weight of that in the room. Like, mm. He's not the song leader, but when he leads singing, it's just magnificent. And so even though I'm not the preacher, I want those moments to be sacred. Um, I want them to be special. I want them to, to have 
gravitas. I, I want them to feel the weight of the room and what I do as well, which means I really have to craft it. It can't just be, I'm going to stand up here and talk before this song. And that is being led by the Spirit, mm. which doesn't mean in the middle of the service just winging it and starting to talk spontaneously because something just grabbed you in the moment. Yes. Like being led by the Spirit actually happens before you get on the platform when you are preparing and while you are on the platform yeah, you say that almost like you're passionate about it. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I just in, the, in my head popped the Old Testament when they're they're lining up the people to do the craftsmanship of building the temple, and they were anointed by and led by the Spirit in doing the crafting. Mm -hmm. You probably don't want your engineer spontaneously coming up with a design for a building. Mm -hmm. uh, it needs to be crafted. We need those measurements to be right so the walls stay up. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, absolutely, the Spirit is a part of the planning and the preparing as much as he is in the leading and uh, desires to be. I'm not sure that we let him in, but he certainly desires to be a part of that. For sure. The Holy Spirit's our helper. It's my yeah. favorite name for the Holy Spirit. Mm. I use it all the time. Absolutely. Helper, help. <laughs> That's one of my most often uh, quoted mm. prayers. That's a great prayer. <laughs> Help or help. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's some very specific things I think that we can do. Most of these, honestly, I've just learned in the last few years. And again, I'm an old guy, so I wish I had learned these 30 years ago. But these are just some of the things that my pastors taught me or that people in my church have taught me or that watching others lead has taught me. And the first one might surprise you a little bit, but don't introduce every song. Let the music speak for itself. If the song doesn't require an introduction, leave it alone. Some songs just say it all. You don't have to. In Christ Alone by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend does not need much of an introduction. It tells the whole gospel story. Let it stand on its own. Now, if you have a story connected to that song and God lays it on your heart to share that story, then be faithful to do what God leads you to do. But we don't have to introduce everything. We don't have to set everything up. And even our Christmas program, which we just did this past weekend, we did the first four songs without a single word spoken. And they were among the congregations, the audience's favorite four songs. And nothing was said. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the music can just be the music and the song can be the song. So don't feel like you have to introduce everything. And that really freed me from this overbearing sense of needing to um, introduce every song or set up every song or whatever. And I'm grateful for learning that. Do you think that overbearing sense of having to introduce every song is because we see that done a lot? Hmm. You know, when we look at people on stage in these videos that are, you know, very produced right. and we see that, or maybe in like concert settings yeah. with worship artists yes. and they talk before every single song and right. that, so we have an expectation that this yeah. is how it's supposed to be and we're moved by those yeah you know when when big daddy weave says whatever or carrie job says whatever and we go oh that was amazing then we want to be that way for our churches um the phrase that that my pastor said to me was trust the song <laughs> just trust the song if the song isn't worth trusting do a different song <laughs> But trust the song. And that's really been helpful for me. So I think one of the reasons we, we feel like we ought to do it is because we don't trust the song. Mm. And we feel like the song needs our help. 
Well, there are enough songs out there that don't need your help. It may be time to find different songs. Ooh. Yeah, and I'm not a songwriter, so I can say that, and it's not fair because <laughs> I'm not a songwriter. But, but I, I really think that's true. I, when you hear a song on the radio and it isn't set up and it affects you, then that's a good song. When mm -hmm. you hear a song in a service or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to music, um, if it affects you, then the song probably has the potential to do that without your help mm -hmm. and without my help. And that's just good to remember. This one I also have learned in recent years, and it's helped me, helped me so much. Uh, it kind of goes back to the previous at least two episodes and maybe more. Um, say what serves the people, not you. <laughs> say what helps them. Don't say what makes you look like. I, most of the song introductions I did in the first 20 years of my career were to just show people how much I knew about the songs. I would research the hymn, I would get the background, I would get the story, and it's like, hey, y'all, look how, look how well-studied I am about this hymn. <laughs> or look, I know what I'm talking about. That's just so not helpful. But if I'm trying to think of something to say before a song because I know it's going to serve the people who are going to sing it, that lowers the platform and raises the seats. That creates a sense of just trust that I want to help you sing this song, not I want you to think I'm special or important or good or whatever. So say what serves the people, not what serves the leader. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. A great example, I think, of that is the story behind it as well, yeah. With My Soul, with Horatio Spafford and why he wrote that song. And I don't think most everybody actually knows that story, and it yep. makes the song itself much more poignant Absolutely. and powerful. And sorrows like sea billows roll, and you know that he was on the boat in the sea. If you don't know the story, Google it. It's worth it. Uh, but absolutely. Yeah. And that serves the singer. That serves the worshiper. When they know that story, it makes them open up to possibilities in their singing that they wouldn't have known otherwise. So yeah, serve the people, not yourself. And then <laughs> use words that are real life. Um, <laughs> don't use, don't be professional with your language. And by that, I don't mean you know, be a slacker or be a sluggard. Um, talk with art, I mean, be articulate, I guess is the way to say it, but you don't have to sound important. You don't have to use words that make you sound like you're um, above other people. Just talk like a normal human. Um, you are a normal human, whether you think you are or not. They already know you are. So just talk like a person. Talk like you're one of them because you are one of them. And then they will invite what you're saying in to their own experience. And you're not talking down to them. You're talking over to them. You're speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's the one another-ness of worship. And so use words that reflect that. And, and don't try to be more professional than somebody else. Just because it's your profession, if it's your profession, that's not the place where you're professional. Mm -hmm. um, be incarnate in that way. Um, yeah, just step into the culture. And then, um, <laughs> this is so hard for me because I have no memory. Um, learn what you want to say so deeply that you don't have to read it. Now, you might actually write out what you want to say. In fact, if you're new at this or if you're not good at this, I highly encourage you to write out what you're going to say. But don't read it. Learn it. Memorize it and then get to the other side of memorizing it where you don't have to think about it anymore. Learn what you want to say so deeply that you don't need to read it off of a card or off of a screen. Uh, know your subject matter so profoundly that you can just talk about it, but not forever. 
you can talk about it for 45 <laughs> seconds. Um, talk concisely. I have a, I have a buddy, uh, or had, I haven't seen him in, in a long time, but, but Eric worked for the American Motorcycle Association. I love Eric and Julie so much. They were great folks uh, in our church in Columbus, Ohio, back in the 90s. Um, Eric would regularly appear before the U.S. Senate as a lobbyist, and he had three minutes to say everything the lobby wanted him to say. Three minutes. Like, that's all you get. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, imagine doing that as a pastor. I can't imagine preaching a sermon that's that compact. But Eric said that it took him about an hour per minute to put one of those talks together. Wow. It would take him an hour, three hours, to prepare a three-minute speech. And that was not because he had to come up with content. It was because he had to find ways to use one word mm-hmm. to stay, say what might need two sentences if he didn't use that one word. And so just that act of crafting, you can do that in your song introductions as well. Find the words that say the most so that you can use the fewest words. I wouldn't say I'm doing very well at that right now and <laughs> talking on the <laughs> podcast, but I'm trying. Uh, it's, it's also why we don't have a script um, we have prompts, and then they, we talk about the prompts, and the prompts are really concise, and it's because I've spent time trying to say things like, say what serves the people, not the leader. That's concise. Uh, and then if you need to talk about it for a minute, talk about it, but do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Learn what you want to say so deeply you don't need to, to read it, and then talk like you talk. Talk the same way on the platform that you talk off the platform. Be natural. Be one of the people, and keep it short. Work hard on this. It's easier to talk for four or five minutes than 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. But 45 seconds is almost always enough. <laughs> almost always. It's not always, but it's almost always enough. Certain words are very theologically mm-hmm. dense yep. and possibly unfamiliar yes. to people. Yeah. So uh, my two cents on that would mm. be to avoid those words yeah. or maybe this would be better to explain them, especially if they're in the song. Right. Uh, words like justification, maybe, mm-hmm. or redemption, mm-hmm. or salvation, even. Yeah. A word that was hard for you to understand yes. will be hard for others to understand. So if you have had a journey to understanding the depth or, or how profound a word is, then you might need to help others along their journey in the same direction. Although, don't assume they don't know because they may have already been on that journey and they're a few steps ahead of you. And uh, they may struggle with other words. So just, again, with the spirit and planning and preparing and, and studying and learning and understanding, um, trust the, in the, um, the prompting of the spirit, the one who comes alongside of you, uh, to guide you into that and, and into that conversation. Um, that same truth about theological terms can be true of other vocabulary. So don't use words that are hard to understand. Just use words that mean a lot. If the word itself contains a lot of meaning, you don't have to use a lot of those words and you can say a lot. Mm-hmm. This is the experience I have when I, when I read people like Dallas Willard who wrote a book, an incredible book called The Divine Conspiracy. Actually, anything I've ever written, read of his has been incredible. But he'll write something, and it takes me about a week to get through three paragraphs because (laughs) every word has so much in it that it feels weighty. Mm. Um, Now, I'm not saying that that's the goal of, of setting up a song or introducing a song, but it might be the way that you find one word to be far more effective than another word or a collection of words. I wish I had a great example and well, I don't. I have one. Go, go. A great example of this yeah. is not in a song, but it's in a book that I was, I'm reading. Yes. 
It is co-written by Eugene Peterson mm. and a lady named Marva Dawn. It's called The Unnecessary Pastor. Yeah. I'm absolutely loving it. And um, there's a chapter that she actually wrote about spiritual warfare. Okay. And she describes the armor of God as a panoply. Mm. I had to go look that word up. <laughs> that you, surprises me. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know what the word panoply oh, means? I, don't, I, I wouldn't be able to define it. It sounds like something that has a multifaceted like pan, and you think of pantheism as many gods. So a panoply would be a, a palette of many things or a collection of many things or something like that. Uh, partly, close? yes, okay. close. But it means complete set. A complete set. That's beautiful. Yes. So the armor of God is a complete set. Yes. Wow, that gives me chills. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to talk about that word. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, not that I know any worship songs that have the word panoply in them. Maybe you should write one. Maybe I should. I, because I am a songwriter. Right. I should totally do that. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a great example of a word that says so much more than the word says. Yes. And vocabulary is tricky. You know, no, speak in the vocabulary of your people. Um, you are an indigenous leader. You're, you are learning the language of the people you lead. And so use the language they, they speak in, but make it better. Um, say what they would say, but say it better. Use the words they use, but use them better. And that's, I think, what a great stage writer does or screenwriter does. That's what somebody who's a great speech writer does. It's, it's what the best preachers do. They talk like the people in their church. They just talk better. And it's not that they are better. They're just better at crafting language. That's why God gifted them to do that. You, if you're called to this, then chances are God has gifted you to do that too. And so develop that gift. It's just because it's a gift doesn't mean it doesn't take work. Mm. And so do the work that the gift requires in order for you to steward that gift well. And part of that is practicing, not just crafting, but practicing. So practice your song introductions. Practice them when you're by yourself. Practice them when you're in your garage working on your car or mowing the yard. Just practice. Um, practice with your team. You might even invite feedback from your team. Practice it in rehearsal. If you're doing a run-through of a song, practice the intro ahead of time. That doesn't make it less meaningful because it's been rehearsed. You know that concert artist that did that song intro that was... <laughs> you know, 12 minutes long and you cried and you couldn't wait for them to sing the song afterwards, that's not the first time they've said it. <laughs> I promise it's not. The Holy Spirit is what makes it fresh, not your lack of preparation. Mm. So invite the Spirit into that moment Ooh. and let the Spirit speak through what you've already prepared. If you're preparing in the Spirit, then the Spirit will empower what you've prepared. Oh my goodness, mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for those words because they're so much better than I am. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit do the work that the Holy Spirit does through the work that he's asked you to do before you stand in that moment. Um, practice it in the sound check. If your sound tech needs to know that there's a, a keyboard pad going on while you're doing the sound, they really want to be able to have your mic <laughs> louder than the sound pad. So practice those things. It's okay. Even if the words are exactly the same words, I promise you the Spirit can infuse them again. Absolutely. He does it in our songs all the time, right? He does it through Scripture all the time he does it through, as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's not changing. No. Uh, yeah. The, the, the passage that you... Um, I think it was the previous episode when you said, um, you read 2 Corinthians 3, um, and I just was brought to tears. 
about one of my favorite passages that I've heard and read and taught and preached about. But it's the Holy Spirit that infuses that with the power. So your, your song introduction isn't powerful. Your song introduction is a mechanism that the Holy Spirit can demonstrate his power in. Mm -hmm. So make it 45 seconds, or if it really needs to be, it can be a minute and a half. <laughs> but keep it short so that it can have a role to play in the service that doesn't seem out of bounds of the service. Mm -hmm. And then just trust the Spirit in the preparation, in the planning, in the research, in the crafting, and then finally um, in the doing of the work. And I think you'll be amazed at what happens. I hope this episode helps. I know a lot of people struggle with this. I've had young worship leaders that I've coached ask me about this. Um, it's one of the things that the people here at Woodburn say that I do well. They're not all 45 seconds, but they're all brief. And I think deeply about them. They're always connected to the song and they're always serving the people. It didn't used to be that way, but now it is. And I think that's why it's effective. So learn from what took me forever to learn and, and then teach us too. leave a comment. If there's a way that you've learned to do this that we haven't already talked about, would you comment about it at, uh, below the podcast? If you're doing that on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're finding this, leave a comment. Talk about how you do it. I, um, I would love to be able to respond to those comments. If this is helpful for you, share this content with a friend, another worship leader, maybe somebody that's asked you about it. Say, I'm not exactly sure, but this seemed to help a little bit. And, and yeah, share together. Those of you who are listening and Bethany and I together, we can we can build a tribe of people who are inspired to serve so every soul is saved.